What's up, guys? Happy Monday. Hope you're ready for the work week ahead. Let's get into an episode of Project Freelance for you. What do you say? So, hey, guys, it's Monday. I feel like we got to have another episode of Project Freelance. Last week was a doozy. I hope you uh, were entertained. I hope you got some information out of that. And I hope you're conducting yourselves a little better online now. So this week on Project Freelance, my guest is named Ashley Klein. She is a creator. She is a marketing expert and strategist, a consultant, if you will. She has a product called Ice Cream Social, which is a widget that you can put on your website that will actually help gamify your customers. So essentially, if you're trying to sell a product or tickets to something, you could have your customers go to that checkout page and they will see a widget there. That will say something like, hey, share this with your friends and use this promo code. And if they buy, then you get a reward. It's a really cool way to optimize your, your customer base and to get them more involved in your products or your events that you have going on. Super excited to talk to Ashley this week. But before we get into it, just a few things. If you are new to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. And if you enjoy what you hear, please leave a rating and feedback so we can get a bigger audience of amazing listeners just like you that are freelancers that are trying to grow their businesses and their lifestyles. I need to thank the partner on this podcast, Liquid Death Mountain Water. I am actually drinking a new Liquid Death beverage. They have made iced tea, you guys. They have three flavors. Arnold Palmer, which is called Armless Palmer. The one I'm drinking now is called Rest in Peach. And then there is a third flavor that I honestly can't remember off the top of my head, but the other two I do remember, obviously. Uh, if you want to check them out, go to liquiddeath.com. Use promo code just the letter K for 10% off your order. And uh, yeah, enjoy the beverages. The The iced tea is actually super good. I am, I am impressed. I am impressed, Liquid Death. Thank you for making iced tea. I knew about this for a while. I knew it was coming out, but I uh, just got my first case of the Rest in Peach to my house. You can order it on their website or you can order it through Amazon and it will be shipped through Amazon. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, let's get into this episode with Ashley. Please introduce yourself and what you do as a freelancer. Sure. My name is Ashley Klein and I'm a digital marketing freelancer specializing in the event marketing industry. So helping people sell as many tickets as possible without having to increase their marketing budgets. Nice. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that can get a lot out of this episode. Um, I have a lot of musicians, a lot of photographers and videographers that listen to this show. So I think that you can uh, definitely give us some some guidance as far as that stuff goes. But let's go back a little bit. How did you get started in this space in the first place? Like what 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 did you want to be as a kid and, and how did you get to where you are now? Sure. So I guess growing up um, in high school, I did not get the best grades. Um, my motto was seeds get degrees. And there was one class that I got uh, a pretty good grade in, and that was marketing. Um, so our school had a little marketing and marketing club that I was a part of. And I just really enjoyed that. And through that club, we got to do some neat competitions uh, where we we're able to compete, you know, at a district, state. Um, and if you do well enough, I made it to nationals and was able to travel from my small town in Ohio all the way to Los Angeles, California to compete. And that was kind of a turning point for me. I was 17 years old and I realized, okay, I want to be in marketing and sales. 
And so right out of high school, uh, I started working for my dad who had a, a roofing company and he said, okay, if you want to do marketing, let's see what you can do. And so my first step was to get him a website because the only marketing he was doing was through the yellow pages. Um, okay. So I guess if that lets you know how old I might be, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> and uh, I met someone who could build him a website, loved the company and decided, you know what, I want to work for them. And they said that I could work for them doing sales until, you know, I got some schooling under my belt and could learn how to, you know, code and design websites. Um, so that's really where I got my start and was really fortunate about a year after working with this company. Uh, and I was working on commission only doing sales. It took me nine months to close my first job. So wow. I, turns out I wasn't as great at sales as I thought I was <laughs> coming out of high school. Very humbling, but learned a lot. Um, but they offered me um, the opportunity to move with them to California to start a new office. And so I took that opportunity. And once we got out here, uh, my full-time job, essentially, to just being in sales was I went to networking events breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and again, still working on commission only, that was the best way for me to feed myself. So I would essentially <laughs> time it up so I could have, uh, you know, breakfast and attend like a breakfast networking meeting and get to know other businesses and same for lunch and dinner. And um, at that time, I met so many people and everyone kind of got to know me as, you know, this girl that knows a lot about the internet and, and the web. And so about a year and a half after moving to California, Facebook, you know, became a thing mm -hmm. and people started asking questions. A lot of people started asking me, hey, if you know how to do web design and search engine optimization, you must know all about this Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and I didn't know anything at the time, but I just saw it as a great opportunity uh, to create a business and go out on my own. So that was kind of when I took the leap of faith and thought, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And I just had so many people asking me about it and just figured out new ways to package up different offerings and, and kind of got started that way. Really based on a need. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating to hear like how you got your start and you know, that, that nine month period of time that you were talking about before you closed your first, your sale, um, did you feel any like discouragement? Like I should do something else. Like how was it during that time? Cause you know, a lot of people will grind and grind and grind and then it takes so long and then they eventually just give up and move on to something else because they don't, they can't see the, they can't break through that wall. You know, there's a lot of people that just like stop right before they make it, if that makes sense. So for you, how did you keep going? How did you keep motivating yourself to continue? Sure. So one, I was surrounded by really motivated people. So that just kind of helped keep me in good spirits. Um, two, at that time, you know, I was in uh, going to a local community college. So I still kind of had that mentality of, you know, I am still learning. It's okay. But I just had this deep belief that, you know, at the time, a, a big motivating factor for me just growing up in a really small town is that, you know, I wanted to be rich, I wanted to make a lot of money. And I just had this faith that I have 
in order to make that happen, I have to work for myself. And, you know, a sales career is a, in marketing is a great way to not really have, um, you know, a ceiling on how much money you could make. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of got me through while I was young. And, you know, you get those little wins here and there where you keep thinking if I, you know, just keep going, something will work out in my favor. Um, but when I went out on my own and started freelancing, uh, you know, there were really, you know, difficult times. And I have just built up an unwavering uh, trust in myself, essentially by putting myself in positions where my back's against the wall of, you know, just, I moved to California with a hundred dollars in my pocket mm. and I didn't really have a choice. I needed to figure out how to make it work if I wanted to, you know, prove to myself and everyone that I could do this. Uh, and so I've just put myself in that position so many times of, um, there's no, way out. Like I have to figure this out. And through that, I've just built a really great trust in myself um, and, you know, believing that I can do it and I can stick through. And don't get me wrong. There's been plenty of times as a freelancer where I've thought, what am I doing? I need to start applying for jobs. Uh, I've definitely been in that mode, but, you know, just continue to truck through Uh, I've had a lot of, you know, personal projects that I've started over the years and gave up on. And then they just keep coming back to me, you know, years later, months later of like, hey, don't forget about me. And just, you know, listening to those little, little callings that, you know, if it's meant for you, then it'll, it'll keep appearing in your life until you address it and make it happen. Yeah, definitely. It's so fascinating. You know, we have kind of similar stories. I I grew up overseas, but I decided to move to California as well. As a filmmaker, I was like, this is where I need to go to make it. And, you know, I had my parents like, oh, we don't know because like they, I didn't know anybody in California. I moved there with zero base, like zero floor to like build a foundation off of. And I was like, no, this is where I got to go. This is where everyone else went to make it. So similar to you, I, I had like a couple hundred bucks to my name and I was like, yeah. I'm going to go figure this out in California. And one of the most expensive places that you can go to figure yeah. out what you want to do, you know? So I, I mean, it's all about like, you know, the hustle mentality is very real and, you know, grinding is, is essential. And I feel like as freelancers, we kind of thrive when our back's against the wall, like when we're, most people would panic and run the other way, but we face that head on. So I think that that's really cool, a cool part of your story that you, you've, you know, continued to face those challenges head on. Um, Speaking of like, you know, quote unquote, real jobs or applying for jobs, like, have you had any like real jobs? Yeah. So interestingly enough, my freelance career, excuse me, once I really got it up and going, uh, you know, my mentality shift where it it was no longer about, okay, now I want, I wanted to make lots of money. It shifted into wanting like the freedom behind, um, you know, choosing opportunities that really interest me or time freedom. And so my consulting and freelancing work has led some to some pretty neat uh, opportunities. So I actually uh, oftentimes will juggle a lot of a lot of different things. I, I say I kind of identify as a preneur because I do uh, you know entrepreneurship. I'm a co-founder of a company called Ice Cream Social and entre- or intrapreneurship. 
where I work with a company, coincidentally enough, the same company, the same people that I moved to California with later down the road created a new company where, you know, timing was right and they wanted me to come back on board and help them. So playing that role of like building my own department within a company, which still takes a very, you know, um, freelancer, consultant, uh, entrepreneur mentality, and then solopreneur, still having a freelance career and that, that freedom to choose, you know, what opportunities I want to take on and which ones I don't. And so, uh, yes, there have been times where I have had, uh, quote unquote, real jobs, one of them being right now working actively with Ticketsocket. And uh, it's just allowed me not so much of like, I took the job because I needed it, but more of like, I created these different opportunities for myself mm. and having kind of that foundation of consulting, um, you know, really gives you leverage when kind of negotiating different deals and um, different insight. Yeah, definitely. So have you have you had any like uh, internship opportunities or have you ever mentored anybody or been in any of those kind of positions? Uh, me, myself, in terms of like internships, I definitely had some um, within college years, high school. Um, I've, I personally always have mentors who are guiding and helping me along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, me working with interns and you know mentoring other people absolutely yeah I think that that's often overlooked you know I think everybody needs to have like at least one mentor that is helping to guide them and you know that you're also benefiting them in some way by either offering your services or you know um, your insight on new technologies and things like that but uh, let's let's talk about ice cream social a little bit tell me about what that is how it works when you started that and uh, how people can kind of get involved in it Sure. So Ice Cream Social is a social referral widget, has nothing to do with ice cream. (laughs) And uh, essentially, you can bolt it on to any website or checkout flow, and it gamifies uh, all of your customers and essentially turns them into influencers. So after someone purchases, you've probably seen something similar like this in the past. Um, On the confirmation page, it'll say, hey, you know, send your friend this promo code. And if they buy, you get a reward. Yeah. Uh, so very similar model. Um, and we really have found a way to tweak it and customize it and make it really successful in the events, entertainment, attraction, tourism industry. What a fascinating thing. So essentially like you had somebody code this thing and make it into a widget and you can just like install it on like what, like Wix, Squarespace, WordPress, like websites like that? Yes, exactly. Uh, It was actually, again, (laughs) uh, born out of a need. Uh, I was working with the company I mentioned, Ticketsocket, and I was consulting with their clients on marketing strategies to help their clients sell as many tickets as possible to their events without having to, you know, spend more money on Facebook or Instagram ads. Mm. And through that, um, we, you know, experimented with different social sharing type widgets uh, until we perfected it. And it's now become ice cream social. So it was born as like a need with lots of clients asking and giving ideas of, you know, what they could do to increase their sales, built it out, became successful, was able 
Uh, it was essentially just a feature inside of TicketSocket for a long time. And then COVID hit and, you know, people weren't really selling tickets to events. Um, <laughs> so we had some clients who said, you know what, is there any way I, you know, I have to pivot my business. I can't sell tickets right now, but I've got some merchandise on my site I want to sell. Is there any way I could use Ice Cream Social on my, on my main website, you know, my Shopify, my, my WordPress? Yeah. And uh, at that point, um, you know, we got the light bulb moment and we kind of peeled off what was once just a little feature you could toggle off and on and turned it into its own standalone product. Wow. That's incredible. What a way to like, you know, not only help people that are selling tickets, but to also like optimize their, their websites. And, you know, like, I think we've all kind of gone through the, the Facebook, Instagram ad BS where we have to like, you know, fork over some money to like kind of get our stuff seen and it like doesn't always work. So I think that that widget is like a great opportunity to, um, to kind of give a call to action to your, to your, your customers, you know, to get more involved in your products and get excited about what you're doing. So I, I think that it's a great, great way to optimize that. And, um, so how did you, let's, let's pivot a little bit. I want to talk about like how you found your value and your worth as a freelancer, as a, um, as somebody that's trying to grow their own business as a, an entrepreneur or solopreneur. Um, how did you, how did you do that? how did you find your worth and your value? Sure. Great question. I, you know, there's a few different things that call out to me as, as you throw that out and they're all very random, but I'll try to piece them together. Sure. But when I moved to California, I was pretty young. I was 19, maybe just turned 20 for a few days. Um, didn't have, you know, an established career of any sorts or experience, nor had I finished college yet at that point. And what I found was I would go to all these networking events and everyone was a lot older than me, which was great. But that, that did give me a little bit of insecurity of, oh, they probably don't want to work with me because uh, they think I don't know that much because I'm young. And uh, I actually found another young person who, who's going to all these events too, who had the same um, idea of like, wow, how do we grow our business as, you know, young entrepreneurs. And um, him and I actually decided to start our own networking group for a young professional society called the Elite OC here in California, still running today. But essentially wow. we, you know, put on all of our own networking events on a monthly basis so that we could grow our network of other people our age who want to do wanted to do business with us and weren't going to hold it against us that, hey, maybe we didn't have the skills or expertise um, yet, which wasn't always true. But sometimes with your age, that kind of felt like a filter or at For least sure. a, a personal prison that I may have put myself in. Um, when really, I probably later realized my age did work in my favor because everyone was like, oh, well, you must know a lot about social media. Exactly. And, marketing. <laughs> and so uh, through that networking, I met a lady and she said, you know what, I want to introduce you to a couple agencies, you know, who are looking to hire some consultants on an as needed basis for their clients. And she's like, how much do you charge right now? And I told her, and I can't remember what it was. It was, you know, maybe I think I was charging like $25, $30 an hour. Yeah. And I already felt pretty uncomfortable with that. <sighs> 
<laughs> just growing up in a small town, like our mm -hmm. minimum wage was like very like eight low. Bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hadn't quite adjusted to California yet yeah. uh, or understood what I needed to be charging in any way. And she was like, oh my gosh, no, you need to be charging at least $150 an hour. So when you go meet with these agencies, I want you to tell them that's your hourly rate. That was the best advice I ever got. Yep. And I thought I, I thought I wouldn't have the guts to do it. I was like, there's no way. I'm like, where I can't do this. This is too scary. But I <laughs> threw it out there. And an agency came back and was like, you know what? We cannot pay you $150, but will you take one $115? You're like, uh, right. yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, for you guys, I will. Uh, and that, oh man, that was the best advice I ever got at such a young age oh. was to just charge more than what you think you're worth because you're worth it. And then you're not thinking about all the kind of expenses you'll incur or you know, taxes and things like that. Um, so honestly, uh, it, it was that someone gave me that advice and it was the best advice ever. And um, through consulting with these agencies, it gave me a lot of experience because they had big name clients, you know, fortune mm -hmm. 500 business clients. And that really also helped build up my self-esteem and knowledge of like, whoa, I'm on the ground floor, ground floor, helping these fortune 500 companies figure out how to do, you know, Facebook marketing. Right. Um, and that, you know, that did help build my confidence. And over time, as I just keep immersing myself and again, I just have great faith in myself that, I can figure it out. Always. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I I also have had, you know, clients in the past say like, you need to charge more. Like, like I'm going to pay you more because you deserve more. You know, I think we all hit a point. Well, hopefully we all hit a point where someone in our lives tells us like, you're worth more than you think you are. So charge more than that. And then people will always try to negotiate with you, you know, or most of the time we'll try to negotiate with you. And I think that it's important to listen to those people and take that advice and it can be hard and nerve wracking and, and very scary to like put yourself out there like that. But especially with, it sounds like the companies you were working with, like they had the budgets to do those kind of things. And, and so for you, like, for example, as, as a videographer, uh, we have like low budget jobs and higher budget jobs. Have you ever noticed that like the lower budget jobs will ask you for so much more than the higher budget jobs? Yes, I wanted to chime in and and add to what you're saying previously before you brought that up of yeah. like it, it will not if someone says no, we can't afford that. That's okay. You're going to start attracting now that you've put that into the world, you're going to start attracting the right customers who are willing to pay that because the ones who are going to nickel and dime you to the lowest cost are the hardest clients to work with because yep. they are you know, they're not always happy and they've always got, they're micromanaging. Yeah. Yeah. If someone hires you and pays a premium price, they, that immediately establishes in their mind that you are an expert and you know what you're doing and they're not going to micromanage because they trust that you're the expert. And so whatever you did was strategic and they're not going to overthink it. Exactly. Exactly. I think that, you know, a lot of freelancers run into that problem a lot and they're like settling for those lower paying jobs 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the wrong thing to do because like, as I like to tell people, like never settle, like keep pushing for what you think you're worth and for what you want in, in your life and your career and don't settle for those low paying jobs. Like even if you like, like sometimes I get like you need the money, especially if you're first starting out and you're like trying to grow, like I get it. But like those jobs are going to be so hard to do just like working with those types of clients and that kind of thing. So I try to uh, sway people kind of away from doing those like more difficult jobs. Like if they're asking you for a million things right out the gate, like, you know, it's going to be a very difficult person to please. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I've engaged in contracts where in the first week before we've actually even started, I'm like, whoa, yeah. I think I'm going to, you know what, bow out. I think I'm going to tell them, you know what, something came up that's not a good time for me and I don't, I won't be able to give this the attention that it needs. Exactly. Um, That will only do yourself good. Exactly. And, you know, I think the more of those um, higher quality jobs you get, the better your resume is going to be in the long run. Like, you know, you don't want, plus like those lower, lower budget jobs, like if they're not happy with you, they're going to leave you a bad review. Like if you're on Upwork, if you're on these like freelancing websites, like if they're not happy with it, they're more likely going to leave you a bad review. And then you're just going to have to like deal with that rating on your profile, which is never fun. You know, it it takes time to get your rating back up and things like that. And then you have to kind of like, you know, uh, explain to people like, Oh, I had, you know, I had this client, you know, and nobody really wants to do that. Nobody wants to bad mouth people. But, um, so something I want to talk about real quick with you. So last week on the podcast, um, I talked about how you need to, because you do a lot with like social media and, and marketing and things. Uh, there's a lot of people online, especially on like Twitter that are, speaking ill of their clients publicly, not naming them, but just saying like, let me tell you this horror story about this client that I had. And I feel like those kind of people that are doing those things online, you're going to not be able to attract those high quality clients because people that are potentially going to hire you, they're looking at your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram to see what you're talking about and what you're like as a person. So can you talk about conducting yourself professionally online and any advice you have for people with that? Yes, I 100% agree. I would never post anything negative about a client online. Uh, I almost, because I've networked so much in my career and I focus on always, you know, doing the best work that I can possibly do. doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but if I do, I own up to them. Um, I've been able to really establish solid word of mouth marketing. I've never had to necessarily you know, look too far for a new client or a new project or opportunity, they come to me through word of mouth marketing and my reputation. And so if you are saying negative things online, yeah, that's going to come back and haunt you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in, when I worked in the agency world, uh, we did a lot of influencer contracts and that is something that we do. If you're going to work with a you know Fortune 500 company, we need to make sure that your brand really aligns uh, to our values. And you know, think of all those things that could go wrong. So we do. We go through people's profiles and we look at all the things that they say. And we've got tools to find the negative things quickly and see, you know, what you know are they talking negatively about a brand that they worked with in the past or other products or whatever the case may be, those are certainly things that companies look at before engaging with somebody. 
Definitely. And it's something that I've really been trying to like let people know about recently just because I've been seeing so much negativity on Twitter recently, especially in like the, so I, I tour with bands as a content creator. So in that world, there's a lot of like, I didn't get hired because of this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, well, if you just keep working hard, you're going to get a good job, you know? So I feel like people just kind of forget about that side of things and they just like, like to complain to complain, you know, and yeah. it's never, it's never a good look for you online. So All I just try to try to tell people to be professional. Absolutely. I mean, I just can't think of anything good that would come out of saying something negative about a client or someone you work with. The only thing that could happen is other people, you know, comment and they're, they've had a similar situation, but yeah. again, all you're doing is just attracting like-minded negative people. Exactly. Yeah. And nobody wants that. Nobody needs yeah. that, you know? So, um, when you first started out as a freelancer, what questions did you have? Oh my gosh. I would say if I look back as a freelancer, just getting started in my career, again, it's a little, I think it's a little different for, you know, content creators and marketers. Cause I think we are pretty scrappy and we understand yeah. a lot of, you know, marketing, putting yourself out there and that sort of thing. But the place where I had to do the most education, made the most mistakes, um, wish I learned way sooner was managing finances as a mm. freelancer for sure. Knowing how to budget, knowing, um, how to charge, knowing how to keep clean books, all yeah. that stuff. So if there was anything that I, looking back early in my freelancing career that I wish I would have spent more time, um, was yes, understanding finance finances, but it was more of a mindset thing. I kept telling myself, no, I'm good at marketing and I just like to do my thing. And that's why I'm a freelancer consultant. I'm not trying to build a business, mm. but look, if you're a freelancer or consultant, you are a business and you exactly. need to have that mindset and treat it as a business. Facts. Absolutely. So my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started all of this and it can be finance related or it can be something else. Um, well, definitely the finances since I just said that. So definitely take the time. But I would say there's been a lot of times where, as we talked about earlier, you do get really down on yourself and just think, can I do this? Or I've started personal projects because as freelancers and consultants, we're always doing work for other people, but we are creative people and there's things that we want to build for ourselves. And I give, I've given up in the past on my personal projects too quickly only for them to always creep back up and say, hey, look, I'm over here, like little inklings of success. And looking back, I'm like, as I, you know, dive into a personal project again, you know, just recently, I'm like, wow, I started this in 2016. And what could it have become if I would have just stuck with it? So if there's something you're doing for yourself, make sure you carve out that time and make yourself a priority too, because five, 10 years from now, you're going to be so grateful. And that's, you know, really going to support you and bring you more opportunities and time freedom. Absolutely. Well, Hey, if people want to follow your journey, where can they find you online? How can they get involved with ice cream social? Sure. So you can, um, find ice cream social at ice cream and uh, you can find a more uh, endeavors that I'm working on at ashleykline.com. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Project Freelance. Yeah, thank you, Okay. So guys, that was my episode with Ashley Klein. If you guys want to check out more about her, you can go to her website or you can check out Ice Cream Social. I put the links down in the description for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and feedback on the podcast. It helps us grow and find more listeners just like you that are freelancers, that are creators, that want to grow their business and their lifestyle. My name is Kay, just the letter K, and I'll talk to you guys next week on Project Freelance. Stay strong, keep enduring.